Oh. Mer- what? <laughs> Merry Christmas, Float. I didn't get. I was doing the intro. We'll just keep that in there. Uh, well, thank you. I was going to do a little. I was going to do a quick little intro for you, but Merry Christmas to you as well, Logo Soup. Uh, you are a Christianity neo-paganistic Jungian philosophy, philosophy, psychology, secular philosophy, psychedelic drugs, and meme culture. You know that's what you do on your Instagram page and your and your podcast. Uh, and you explore these movements from a psychoanalytic and religious point of view. How have you been? I've been good, counting my blessings, uh, staying well, staying healthy, and uh, you know just uh, on the content grind. Trying to spread the spread the gospel of getting your shit together and being a good, whole, uh, authentic, morally strong and artistic person. Very good. I have also been my. I'm, I'm sure as you have been on a journey this year of inner and outer exploration of the world as a you know psychological phenomenon as a projection of your mind and also your own personal inner journey of whatever this scam or pandemic however you want to look at it it has been for you it's been over a year just a little over a year since we talked i was just looking at it december of last year right before we lived in an entirely new world i didn't think they were going to push this scam as long as they have and really push this psyop and really you know, the majority of the population to go along with it for this long. I thought, okay, maybe this will go three or four months and the summertime will come. But, you know, it's an election year. This is the plan. At least that's what I believe. So how has the year been for you since we last talked? I know it's like almost a completely different world now. Uh, how have you survived? I know, what are you in, uh, New Jersey? Yeah, New Jersey. So how has the, this, uh, this year been for you? So, uh you know, despite the whole psyop and despite the all the uh, totalitarianism in New Jersey, which is probably the 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 first line of the New World Order in the United States, uh, I, I've had a pretty good year. I graduated college. I got my uh, first full time job, which has treated me pretty well, and uh, I've just been spending time with my girlfriend and reading books and creating content. And uh, despite all the suffering and fear that's been going on in the collective, I've been uh, I've been managing to stay pretty well, and I'm very thankful for that. How about you, my friend? Well, it's been an interesting year of ups and downs, losses and gains, silver linings, strikes and gutters, uh, just like everything, but on a much larger scale. Again, I've been I've been watching from the sidelines for months, thinking we would wake up from this collectively, and I think we are. Uh, as the election is an election like no one, no other, you know, we'll see what that ultimately ends up being here in the next couple weeks. But I can feel the tension of the collective, and uh, it's been for me. I don't know. I don't know if you listen to my podcast, but and I don't know if anybody sees the memes anymore because of the shadow ban I'm under, but. I, t- I got in a car accident last week, and for me, it's just been that journey of post-traumatic stress and doing psychedelics and working with that in the float tank and kind of more dealing with mortality, even though I deal with it all the time, and I think about death constantly, and I'm always doing psychedelics to get me in that space to get over that fear. It's still nothing like being right there on the edge of death and then walking basically unscathed. Who knows internally how much I've been banged up still, but... Um, I'm lucky to be alive and I've just been dealing with that for the past week and just recovering from that bell, you know, that bell that's been rung inside of me is slowly coming to a still again. But 
yeah, you've got the election stress, the, the coronavirus, you, you know, people are, you know, are we going to, I've watched so many businesses and float center owners, uh, you know, New Jersey, you guys are in a lockdown again, correct? Like strictly? Uh, we're, we're, the rules are always changing. Um, and various parts of the state are in various levels of lockdown, but it's pretty rough for a lot of businesses here. And I've seen, uh, business owners that I've known and admired my whole life and they're, they're really struggling and they're closing up shop and it's, it's hard to watch. Yeah. And it's, uh, slowly taking people over the edge to wake them up. And uh, if you have a small business, this is do or die for, for us right now. I'm, I'm one of them. Luckily, I'm in Florida where we've been blessed with a situation where we've been closed minimally. And then even then, um, it's just crazy, you know, to, 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 I'm so frustrated with the stupidity. Like, okay, we can go to the grocery store and mingle with uh, 50 people, 100 people, but a small business can't open a little restaurant. You know what I mean? So, depending on what kind of perspective you have, if you believe the mainstream media narrative, if you believe in conspiracy theories, it's been one hell of a year uh, either way. You know, the emotions have been up and down for people. And uh, I, I see the post-traumatic stress, uh, people who want to float, who, who still believe that there's this massive thing going around that's killing everybody. So yeah, man, it's been a wacky time. <laughs> just yeah, like, just yeah. like, just, just happy to be alive. So what kind of job are you doing right now? So right now I'm working in digital advertising and it's a, it's a nice uh, learning opportunity that I've had. I see, I took, uh, I went to school for business and my biggest criticism of business school was the absolute lack of technical ability I left that university with. And it was a, I went to a a very good school, very good university. um, And I walked away with virtually no technical knowledge. So you know, despite all the stresses of this job, which I'm very lucky to have. Um, one thing that I've really taken out of it is a, a technical ability to, cre- to create, uh, run, and optimize uh, Facebook and Snapchat and TikTok advertisements. Um, and I've gotten to work with some very, very smart business owners and helping them uh, build up their businesses. I have some clients that are really, really admirable, respectable people. Well, that's good to hear. Are you an essential worker? Have you been staying? Have you been, have you, have you been staying busy? Have you been working from home? Have you been, or just idle? What have you been doing um, up there in New Jersey during this time? Have you been like nine to five every day? I've been nine to five, but working from home. Yeah. So yeah, it, it hasn't been bad. In, well, uh, I, I redesigned my room to uh, reflect the state of my psyche. And, uh, you know, keep your room clean, keep your room organized, and your mind will also be organized. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I usually can't get down to business until there's a modicum of uh, order. And uh, usually that order is spick and span, white glove inspection. I, I'm a OCD minimalist. But, mm. it's, but, but it's a fun minimalism. It's like an art, uh, art, artsy and like an art museum, like Kanye West's house. His is a little too, minu- minimal yeah, yeah, for, yeah. little too minimal for me. So, you know, I think I know the answer to this because, you know, the situation this year and, you know, especially the Northeast in general has been relatively locked down for most of the year. Have you floated since the last time we talked? Because I, I told you, I said, well, I'm not going to talk to you again until you float because uh, it'll be something we can talk about. Have you floated? I have not floated yet, and I'm embarrassed to say so. Well, it's okay. You, you know, you're forgiven because, again, I'd say a good maybe three-fourths of the year, that wasn't even a, an option, you know, because it's closed. Mm. 
But uh, okay, so have you had any good psychedelic experiences this year? So rather than having any good psychedelic experiences, actually, I've become, uh, I, I haven't done any sort of a drug aside from the occasional beer uh, for a year, over a year. Um, and this is the first year that I've been weed free in a long time. And uh, I, I'm certainly not averse to psychedelics. Uh, I have a couple tabs of acid on me right now that I could take at the, a moment's notice when it feels right. Um, but really this year I've spent uh, kind of on the psychedelic journey of uh, moving past this, this addiction to weed and also building a relationship with a, uh, a girlfriend that I, is really unique to something that I've uh, I've never had a relationship like that for uh, for the 22 years I've been alive. Um, I've had very shallow relationships with women, and I've dated plenty of girls, but never uh, I've never had the opportunity to fall in love. Um, and doing that this year has been its own uh, healing, uh, almost psychedelic experience. Fantastic. I haven't had too many myself in terms of psychedelic experiences. I've had uh, two now the past maybe week in terms of trying to put some perspective and heal and, uh, you know, examine the accident in the space of the float tank on psychedelics. And I talked about my last podcast. I was in the tank uh, last weekend on a tab of a, a rainbow gel tab of acid, just one per the doctor's orders. Mm -hmm. And I turned into a ball of goo, you know, my bones and body dissolved into the water, it felt like. And, uh, you know, I was just like an eyeball, eyeballs in the dark and basically an awareness that had just, you know, separated the goo, my body no longer, because I was trying to also um, reconstruct my body when I got out. I, I feel like the mind, from my experience, is what's creating reality not only your reality of the outer world you're living in, but your body and what you think, how you treat your body and what you believe about your body, you know, your body reflects that to a degree. And so when you're in a, when you're, you're, you're an excited energetic state, like acid or something, you can, I think, make leaps in a direction one way or the other based on what you're thinking about your body and where you're putting that energy in terms of healing. Like what inspired me, I talked about this a little bit just towards the end of the last one was I read on Reddit a guy because I, I have TMJ, the, the jaw. One day I just woke up, one day I just woke up next to my ex-girlfriend and it was a stressful relationship. And it, I knew that it was like, fuck this, I got to do something about this relationship because I woke up and my jaw was popping and locking and that had never happened before. And it was like, what, what the hell happened? Did the aliens take me last night and now my jaw won't go back into place? Did they molest me? What, what? So I, you know, I, I started getting into studying TMJ and I was like realizing it was stress related. I was smoking so much weed and accumulating a massive amount of stress via this relationship. And uh, I accumulated this problem one morning out of nowhere. And so I've been on this journey of trying to relieve it. And for the most part, I've done that. And so that in my discovery of trying to figure out this TMJ stuff, I again ran across this acid story on, on Reddit about this guy who just like stood in the mirror on acid and fixed his TMJ. And so, you know, I already believed that that was possible. That totally was my vibe of like, okay, yeah, that's the, the body is a mentation. You, you create it with your mind and uh, that's what's happening. And so being in that space, the float tank and, and on acid, you're in this like really relaxed uh, space of, 
having an intention of trying to do that, asking for grace if it can be possible to enter the space of rebuilding my body. So I've been, I don't know if you follow Q, I've been following that for the past six months, hardcore, um, and I wasn't following it at all before. I've been talking about it a lot on this podcast, so there's been that and the election, and Trump's going to wait all the way to the end to, I mean, who's no, who knows what's going to happen at this point? I don't know. Do you, do you follow the election? I mean, what do you think of politics? Are you a Q person? Or are you indifferent? Where are you at on this, on this stuff? So I follow, uh, I follow the election. I follow politics. Um, I follow, um, I'm generally very skeptical of mainstream narratives. I'm very skeptical that uh, the media and the powers that be have our best interest in mind. I think we as a collective are waking up to that in a, in a remarkable way. But I also think the pushback against that awakening is, is very aggressive. Um, what I'll summarize about what I think about this election is that the, I believe that the Democratic Party pushed a, a lie that exists at the same level of uh, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And that lie is that Donald Trump is a uniquely menacing and horrible president. And we need to get rid of him by any means necessary. And now the Democratic Party pushed that that idea uh, and had a massive machine behind making people believe that idea. And because people believed that idea, they were willing to elect anyone and the Democrats had no need to put a, uh, a morally uh, up, uh, strong and authentic person as their candidate. They needed to put an avatar. All they had to do was put an avatar of their own corporate interests uh, and people would vote because Trump is this, uh, according to them, this existential threat. Now in reality, do I think Trump is uh, is a perfect president? Uh, no, I think there's a lot of uh, bad policy, bad, um, you know, I, I think there's plenty to criticize about Trump. But I think there is no argument whatsoever that anyone can ever put forward using any metrics that would convince me that Donald Trump is worse than George W. Bush. Uh, so what I believe is that we're replacing a, a, at the very least, an avant-garde person who broke into the establishment, and he may be, uh, he may do a lot of things right, and he may do a lot of things wrong, but we have now replaced him with, uh, with a president-elect that is part of the same machine that told us there were weapons of mass destruction in in Iraq. Uh, so I'm very worried about the the prospect of a of a Joe Biden presidency. Uh, I tend to not follow Q. I have a suspicion and a fear that Q uh, is a kind of controlled opposition type situation. Um, but I, I also don't know enough about Q to to make that uh, judgment for sure. Uh, but overall, I, I think we're we're losing an opportunity to make profound changes to our political landscape by getting rid of Trump. Uh, And the best example of that is 
uh, how foreign policy has changed so drastically and so profoundly in a positive direction. You think Trump leaving is going to take us in a positive direction? So you, you're convinced he's going to no, be- No, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, we, Trump put, uh, Trump, a Trump presidency gives us an opportunity for some profoundly positive changes. Uh, and the example of that is in foreign policy. Our foreign policy has never, uh, this, the, Trump has been the most uh, dovish, healing president we could ever have when it comes down to foreign policy. Uh, he has brought so much more peace and so much more stability to the Middle East and other regions of the world. Uh, and getting rid of him is a, is a truly sad loss uh, for our foreign policy. Uh, and I, I fear that uh, we're going to end up in a new war within weeks or months of the uh, Joe Biden presidency. Well, yeah, you know, come. yeah, a manufactured war, unfortunately. And then you, you start looking at this stuff, you realize right. all, all these wars in history were all manufactured wars by these people way up at the top of the pyramid, getting paid on both sides and just uh, and we're the losers, they're the winners. And yeah, man, I, you know, I feel that Biden is this, he's been in it so long and he's one of the top players and he's like paid his dues for whatever reason, or he's their fall guy for this situation, depending on what you believe, but he's up there now. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting things like Kamal hasn't given up her Senate seat yet. And if you know about Q, you know that this has been like a 20 year plan and Trump's been on the, you know, knowing of all of these things for a long time. If you look at a lot of Trump's tweets from 2012, 2014, he talks about all these things that's going on now. Like, uh, Oh man, I gotta pull this tweet up. It was so funny. Some of this stuff that uh, let me pull it up here. By the way, been loving your. You, it seems like you took a break from memes there, but now you're back again with some some really good stuff. But I've uh, been enjoying that. But so okay, yeah. So here, here's Trump in 2014. I hope we never find life on other planets because there's no doubt the U.S. government will start sending the money. And I'm talking about this in reference to the you know, the, the stimulus package they're trying to get through now with, uh, you know, $600, mm-hmm. $600 to us. And then like, you know, $600 million to Timbuktu for underwater basket weaving, which are basically, pay, right, right. which are basically, you know, uh, you know, payouts to the people that, uh, you know, in back, backdoor deals for these politicians that got these things to go through in the first place. So, and, and Trump does it again. Uh, he, he, he didn't tweets again. He goes, I hope I, we never find life on another planet because if we do, there's no doubt the United States will start sending them money. So if you start to look back at some of Trump's tweets, you'll realize that uh, he's been in this, he's been on this in on, in on this for a while. He was friends with JFK Jr. I'm not going to get into that, but uh, so we're watching. I think the most interesting thing I've ever seen in the history of politics or history in general, like this great awakening and all these things that have come to light over the past nine months. It's been a very interesting year. And I think this baby's finally ready to be born. I think it started in March and here we are nine months later, the great awakening is happening. Do you feel like the great awakening is happening? Do you feel like we've reached a point of no return and there's just no way we're going back to our old ways and old systems are going to continue to fall? Like, I know you wanted to talk about Bitcoin, for example. Uh, I don't know, yeah. what, you know how much you know about monetary policy. I follow the X-22 report and uh, funny enough, you kind of sound like him, but he talks a lot about <laughs> great, the great reset and uh, you know Trump trying to bring us back to gold and 
the, the, the Fed right now is under Trump's control and that this is right now is really the most important thing in terms of the world changing and then that they want a great reset so they can, obviously they needed a war or something to get rid of the, 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 the fiat currency system they currently have. We couldn't get that and they couldn't get the pandemic they, they wanted to be quite as bad. And so now this is their opportunity with the great reset to switch us over to a kind of cryptocurrency, but they can control it. So it's not decentralized, which is a really bad thing, right? We don't want- right. the, these central bankers to continue to control the monetary policy. We want something like Bitcoin. So I know that was something you wanted to get into. We wanted you wanted to talk about Bitcoin. So what's going on with that? So so what I'll say is today is uh, December twenty fourth, twenty twenty, and this is the first one of the first podcasts to ever be released in the in the the era of the of the Aquarius, the age of the Aquarius. Uh, and that's uh, an idea that Carl Jung put forward. Now, Carl Jung, he studied uh, he studied astrology, but in a in a different sense that we would see it coming from most people. The way he studied it was he believed that our ancestors took the contents of our collective psyche, the the, the neurobiology that we all share, and uh, we, they projected it into the sky and told these stories about uh, it was the sky was essentially a blank canvas for them to paint with the contents of the unconscious. And just as the stars in the sky follow cycles of, uh, of renew of, of uh, different times and different patterns, so too does uh, the collective psyche of the world. And Carl Jung uh, predicted that the age of the Aquarius would uh, began in some time in the uh, the 2000s, the early to mid 2000s, uh, and uh, a lot of people have come to the agreement that with the uh, the Bethlehem star, the 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 astrological astronomical uh, formation that happened yesterday or two days ago with Jupiter and Saturn aligning, that that was the uh, inception of the age of the Aquarius, and. That, that, that's part of my answer to the, the question about the Great Awakening. And what I would say is that I believe our civilization is at a crossroads that we're now having to deal with. And this is going to be the era in which we deal with the crossroads. Now, do you know what you always meet at the crossroads? The devil. The devil. The devil's always at the crossroads. See, we're at a very difficult time because technology is everywhere. Technology has... Uh, become part of every bit of our lives. And you see, uh, especially in the meme community, a, a, a idea in the collective psyche that we need to return to monkey. We need to give up on technology and give up on uh, this idea of eternal technological development. And, you know, perhaps that's the answer, uh, but it seems very unlikely that we can go in that direction. I, I agree. Now, I the other end of that. I think it's inevitable that uh, as much as I love the Anne Prim memes and the, yeah, return to monkey, oh, you know, <laughs> I just don't really see that. I don't see that happening on, yeah, I'm very unlikely on this timeline at this point. I think we've, here's the thing. If you, if you know about the stuff that's already been done in the, the black technology projects and the USAPs, yeah. You know what yep. you have is advanced, but what they have is fifty years in advance. So if they're that, if they're already right. that advanced, there's definitely no turning back because they've already uh, a few too many times over probably uh, passed that quantum. You know, made that quantum step many times over. Right. 
so we're well, already I, go ahead what i want to say about the crossroads exactly i completely agree with you uh to me these end memes seem like uh like we're running away from the problem that technology is so powerful that we'd rather just say just live in this delusion that we can get rid of it rather than actually fighting for our liberties within the technological sphere. Now, I think that at those crossroads, we can either fear and reject technology out of fear, but not really make any substantial changes, or we can follow the vision of the cypherpunks, the creators of the Bitcoin, the founder of WikiLeaks. See, all of these people, the, the, there was an early internet movement called Cyf the Cypherpunks. I don't know if you're familiar with them. No. But uh, essentially what it was was a group of uh, early internet people who communicated via message boards and email lists, pre-social media, pre-all of this. And they came to the realization that in the information technology era, liberty as we know it cannot exist. We need to put certain safeguards into place in order to preserve freedom and liberty. And some of those people include Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, who we know is the, the, the alias of the person who invented Bitcoin. No one knows who he really is, but should he still exist, it's estimated that he has Bitcoin worth uh, tens of billions of dollars. He would be one of the most rich people on the planet. Uh, so there's Satoshi Nakamoto. There's also Julian Assange, the man who founded WikiLeaks. And there is Aaron Schwartz, who passed away uh, after. Uh, he was a, a young man who created Reddit. And he had a vision for Reddit, not, not as a social media platform like it is today, but as this free, open exchange of information. He believed in... Uh, virtuous hacking in which all of the information that technology has would be open source and shared. Uh, he was, a, uh, as a, as a young man, I think in his early twenties, uh, caught hacking documents at MIT, uh, given a really just crazy prison sentence of like, I believe 20 years with no access to the internet and he committed suicide. But the, the story and the, the lesson and, and the, the vision I'm talking about is, these issues that we're coming, that we're awakening to, these issues of the uh, the sense-making apparatus that we all share, this way that we all make sense of the world, it, it's collapsing, and our freedoms are collapsing, and our monetary systems are collapsing, and all of these things are collapsing, and we are at a crossroads where we can either do nothing about it and make end-prem memes, or we can rediscover the vision of the cypherpunks uh, and turn to this world of decentralized. We need to program liberty into our technology and build an economy and the world out of technology for liberty. Uh, and the pivotal technology that's at that revolution is Bitcoin. Uh, and we've now, the uh, I'd say one of the best pieces of evidence that we're awakening is Bitcoin reaching its all-time high last week, breaking this ceiling of $20,000 that we can never break. And the fact that we have bet so strongly on Bitcoin, I think speaks to a certain awakening that we need decentralization, we need blockchain, we need liberty, uh, and we can build a new world through technology that 
safeguards liberty and rejects these powers at the top and uh, decentralizes the power to the masses and really uh, restores the the power and the, the the strength and the importance of the individual. Couldn't agree more. Uh, that's but that's been my journey with acid. Sometimes it's been a lot of like thoughts of the collective and our monetary system and how we're especially in this country, the, the Fed prints the money and we have to pay taxes to pay the Fed. So we could have a totally different economy if we had some kind of different system outside of what we have now, which is a dying system, which they're trying to reboot and they didn't get their war. They wanted initially, I think, these people at the top, these psychopaths, that's the problem really. You can't have, uh, like people want communism, but communism will never work because you've got, you don't have benevolent people at the top to run it. You, ha- you have psychopaths always that are you know craving the power. But anyway, I'm looking for the gold to come back. Um, gold's a big part of the Great Awakening in terms of what I've been looking into with alien spaceships, and it's like the currency of the galaxy. Gold is a very important element, and uh, you know I look for the currency system to be brought back, be backed by gold. We're going to get rid of the Fed. And, and in terms of what the chatter is on these boards and the Q, you know, world, that's what's supposedly happening. Is you know, and we look at Trump as an archetype. He's the, you know, the golden dawn, right? D-O-N-D-A-W-N. He has, he's always associated with gold, like he's got a gold apartment. And yeah. uh, so it's interesting to see, uh, again, I like to step back and look at the world some, sometimes as just a place of form. And what are the archetypes? You know, okay, this is an individualized person named Donald Trump, but what are some of the archetypes that this person embodies? Because especially when it's somebody who has such an influence on the collective, it's like, okay, I might have these interpersonal relationships with the people around me, but they don't affect the world. And I, and, I, and I might even assign archetypes to some of my friends and relatives that they possess, you know, very strongly. But, you know, you look at somebody like Trump, who's almost a caricature. And, uh, you know, he, he's the man child. He's the baby. He's a lion. He's the golden dawn. Uh, and so it's interesting that, and I always talk about this in my podcast, that, you know, Trump is this joker, this DMT gesture that is always here, mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to flip, just flip the table over. You know, to help the the helpless people. You know, not that he's the, a populist president, and and not that even he he claims to be a man of the people. The media would tell you otherwise, and sometimes you have to meet somewhere in the middle of that truth. But I'm still for Trump. I hope he can pull through. I, I if you believe Q, this is part of the plan, so it's you know it's an inevitability. Um, but yeah, I truly think that uh, got to get rid of the Fed. We've got to get on a decentralized system. And uh, you know, how do we get to Bitcoin though? Do you have any ideas on that? Like in terms of it being introduced to society in a, in a way that, because I hear one of the issues with Bitcoin is it's very slow in terms of a transaction and, uh, you know, and, and, and its current acceptability in places. Yeah, so, so Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin is always going to uh, struggle with being the, the product of its time, right? There, there's, there's certainly better bits of blockchain technology that exist today. But Bitcoin is the revolution. Bitcoin is more than just uh, that form of currency. Bitcoin is the validation. Bitcoin is the decision that we can shift to this economy. And all of these issues of, uh, of speed, they will be resolved through uh, platforms like Ethereum uh, and these coin exchanges. And, and there will be a coin that serves every purpose that we need. Bitcoin will be the the coin at the top that everyone that that wealth flows forth from uh that all that becomes the new reserve currency of the world 
And when you need something functional for an everyday transaction, there, there will be a coin for that that you, you get by exchanging Bitcoin for. Uh, and when you need computing power, there will be Ether. And when you need uh, virtually anything, any bit of technology will flow forth from Bitcoin and Ethereum. People forget how, uh, how important Ethereum is. Ethereum is the, you know, Bitcoin is the battering ram and Bitcoin is the, uh, th think, of, think, of, think of it in terms of chess, okay? I've been playing a lot of chess recently. Bitcoin is the king. Bitcoin is what we need to protect at all costs because Bitcoin will be the thing that ushers in victory, right? We win by keeping our king safe and overthrowing the king of uh, fiat currency. But Ethereum is the queen and that's our most powerful weapon. That is the bit of powerful, powerful, powerful technology that will allow us to fight and to build everything else around the rest of our crypto economy formation will come around the queen which is ethereum and so long as bitcoin remains strong and we all have faith in bitcoin uh the it's a battery bitcoin is a this battery that's charging with all of this this psychic energy and all of this financial uh financial and psychic power it's this battery that's charging up and as long as we keep bitcoin safe and fight any regulation that comes after Bitcoin. Uh, and as long as the Ethereum platform continues to, to be built up, we'll have all the technological capability to do what we need to do. And we can overcome whatever limitations of Bitcoin there are. Now, I'm a relative layman when it comes to the financial stuff and Bitcoin and gold, all these things. I, I, like I said, I listen to X22 and I know I have limited knowledge outside. I think a little bit more than a layman knows about these things. but. My, 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 my question is how, what backs Bitcoin? What, what is it backed by just faith like we're doing now? What, what gives Bitcoin value? What will ultimately give Bitcoin value is, so for now, it, a good portion of it is faith, but it's more than that, right? It is the necessity of, uh, of a technology like gold. Gold is a technology as, as a financial instrument. Gold doesn't inflate. And we need, um, we're talking about digital gold. And hold on, hold on, hold on. Gold does inflate though, doesn't it? Uh, it gold inflates, but not at the, at the same level as, uh, as fiat currency, right? Because well, hold gold, on, well, well, let me just put it to you this way. Like the X-22 gives a perfect example of this. You put $35 in the ground in 1935 and you put the same $35 worth of gold in the ground in 1935. Now, what, what do you've got? What, what's gold at now? Over a thousand, close to 2000. I don't know. And what's the dollar worth, right? It's probably worth less than that actually. Who knows? But you know what I mean? So how, you know what I mean? So gold is actually got, gold has value. It, it's, uh, it, it seems like it seems inflation proof. Right, right. I don't, again, well, I don't know. Has, I don't know anything. Has, I don't know anything. I'm just asking. No, of course. See, Bitcoin has the inflation protection of a hard cap and how much Bitcoin can exist. But beyond that, it's also the entire crypto economy that gives Bitcoin its value, right? So there's technical usage of Ethereum tokens, uh, of Ether. So let me ask and you this: Ethereum thing. tokens, they they have computing power to use in a business, to use in a technical technological project 
right? You can use Ethereum as a platform to serve purposes. Now, Bitcoin is the battery that's charging Ethereum. And Bitcoin, as it increases in value, the inherent worth of the Bitcoin is that it can be translated into this entire ecosystem of technological power that springs forth from Ethereum. Interesting. Are you for or against globalism? I am a believer that in a global system, the liberty of the individual is unprotected. So I am against globalism. That's a very good answer. I'm also, I'm also a believer in, in state and local rights. Uh, the, the more centralized power becomes and the farther away power come, becomes from the individual, uh, the less the individual has any protection. Couldn't agree more. So switching gears, have you been following the monolith phenomenon? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't, I assume that it's some kind of hoax or marketing scheme, but if I'd, I'd love to be proven wrong. Yeah. I, that's what I was thinking too. I didn't know if you thought maybe that, you know, cause again, over the past year, you've had disclosure, at least in the media that the government was saying, Hey, we have off-world craft and we've already known about people like Bob Lazar. That's becoming more mainstream. Even that's on Netflix. Joe Rogan's always talking about it. Like in terms of the collective psyche, uh, UFOs and disclosure, all, all of that, I think, are reaching a point here where it's either going to be something called Project Bluebeam, where you've got the government basically just mm-hmm. putting holograms in the sky and faking it and then taking more control, you know, it's centralizing their power even more, uh, or you've got the real thing. And so, you know, in terms of my studying of the disclosure phenomenon and these people who are supposed uh, insiders, they're waiting, the aliens are waiting for us to clear out the deep state and all of our world governments and yeah, approach the, so it's like, yeah, I think it's this quasi this, this okay, we're going to be kind of be maybe hopefully a global currency or a better global economy somehow would we'll be more united in a more loving way. Um, you know, maybe there's a, not a new world order, but there's a way for us to have a global system that is uh, yeah. Like you said, for the benefit of the state and local citizens, uh, you know, I, I don't want the UN to determine my rights. Right. So uh, I don't know if you've been following this podcast, but uh, I feel that there has been a secret war going on between the, and then Trump talks about it. He, he will never say it uh, explicitly, but he talks about a hidden enemy, an invisible enemy. And, you know, people say, oh, well, that's the virus. But no, he's talking about China, the deep state, mm-hmm. and you've got Chinese troops on the Canadian border. You've got interference with the election. You've got uh, Joe Biden's family and everybody else in the Democrats that are high up long term people uh, knee deep in the in the Chinese and married into them. And it's all been dripped out slowly. And so I, I, I've had the pleasure uh, the past nine months of kind of being frustrated that uh, things aren't happening faster, but knowing that the universe is unpeeling this thing and pulling back the layers of, I think this virus that the we, we've had as a, a society globally of these deep state satanic pedophiles uh, running the world through blackmail. I don't know uh, in terms of your religious beliefs or what you believe about uh, human sacrifice uh, in your studies uh, do, do you find any validity that uh, people might be sacrificing children and drinking their blood? So, 
So I've been uh I've been working on a a piece that I've been writing about this actually. Um, I believe very I I believe quite strongly that there are uh, fraternal organizations consisting of people in power who uh, do in fact worship the this this uh, Moloch figure and uh, they do believe that Moloch uh, what I would say is that there is this uh, this being that exists in the collective unconscious and the collective unconscious is is it's it's hard to make a distinction between the physical and the psychological world, but for all intents and purposes, as far as I'm concerned, the collective unconscious is real, and this being exists in the collective unconscious, and it is charged with the psychic energy of uh, the consciousnesses of those who, who believe in him. And I do believe that there is a conscious being uh who we call Moloch. And I think that's a similar, uh, similar framework to understanding these kind of DMT beings of, they are these, uh, these beings that exist in the collective unconscious and they have their own consciousness because they are charged with humanity's psychic energy. Uh, but I, I think there's most certainly, look, I, I mean, there's no doubt in history that there's been sacrifices of children and drinking blood. Uh, and who's to say that that's ended? But whether or not it has ended, there is a there is an anti-human movement, uh, and there are people who believe that humanity is to be replaced and destroyed. Uh, and I I'm a I, I believe in humanity. I love humanity. I love us for all of our shortcomings and weaknesses that God gave us. God made us in His image, and we have the one gift that God does not have. Do you know what that gift is? I'd love to know. It's limitation. Ah. God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and we are made in his image, but we have none of those things. So God gave us the one gift of limitation. And that, from that limitation, gives us our destiny. And some people want to transcend limitation, right, and merge with the machines, merge with the AI, uh, but that's an escape from our destiny. That's running away from our destiny. Our destiny is to uh, achieve all the greatness that we can achieve while staying human and keeping our limitations. Yeah, it's interesting to think about what some of these transhumanists want. And coming from a spiritual perspective of having experienced certain things, you realize, man, why do you want to be trapped in this 3D hell world forever? This purgatory, perhaps this transient world, uh, you know, a growth stage. Why would you want to be stuck as a, a teenager forever in terms of, you know, uh, the experience of what the soul goes through? Who knows what that is? You know, maybe we're in like stage three of nine stages and we got to transcend the human form and move to a planet and then we become a planet in a galaxy. And then who the fuck knows, you know? So I, that, that's transhumanism is scary. And again, I look at the collective this year and I see again, it's true, man, 65, 75, 85% of the people will willingly just step in line and get, take the vaccine, uh, wear the mask and beat you down uh, for you trying to just say, hey, I'm, uh, don't do that. Maybe we shouldn't be breathing in this chemicals through the mask and it doesn't do any help anyway. There's been no studies proven and the virus is a hoax to begin with and they already have the cure. It's called HCQ. So it's like, man, 
you know, it, it, it depends on what data stream these people are, you know, people aren't looking at conspiracy sites and, and you know, underground news like I am. So, I, you know, I, I can't blame them for, you know, taking oh, CNN as the truth. So it's just been this whole year of just fuckery and clown world. And yeah, I, it, it's like, wow, this is like their opportunity to really, they've got the technology now. Um, if they don't take the election, they're fucked because then the Q plan continues and the arrest and the deep state continues to be drained in the swamp. But if they get back, they can, you know, they want to build an off-world society, suppose. They want to get out of here. They want to, uh, you know, copy their consciousness into a, a machine, or maybe an android, a biosynthetic thing, and live indefinitely in this realm and maintain their power structures of, you know, you're a billionaire, you're a trillionaire. I want Amazon to go on forever. I'm going to live forever. And I'm going to be at the top of this power structure and I'm going to drink human blood. And I'm going to, and here's the other thing. I know, you know, the thing is these people get into this game, these celebrities, some of them, they don't know anything about God or spirituality and they're atheists. They don't believe anything. And then they say, okay, I'll sell my soul. Who, who gives a shit? I'll sell my soul. And then they end up doing that and they realize God is real, but then it's too late. And uh, they're, they're now sacrificing children to a demon, which is probably an alien in disguise saying, you know, I'm Moloch, I'm Baal, I'm these ancient deities uh, that have been worshipped for 5,000 years. And now they're sucked into the death cult of, you know, yeah, the Baphomet worshipping, you know, groups of people. I won't say their names because I've actually gotten threats from groups of people who claim to be part of these groups that w worship the eye at the top of the pyramid and not the Illuminati, but the, you know, the, the street version of that, you know, the, mm -hmm. the it starts with an M ends with an N. But uh, so this stuff is real and I'm just, it's just been such a crazy year, man. And uh, I'm glad to catch up with you and give people just a little gift. I know some people uh, are alone on Christmas, Christmas Eve. And I have a few people that are like, I listen to your podcast at night or it helps me relax for whatever reason i don't know why that's hilarious but because half the time i'm on drugs or manic on here uh, or ranting but but i guess there's a relative sense of calm because i am pretty calm even in my ranting uh because i'll get around i'll get around people sometimes and their energy i'll just it's just is coming off of my whoa so i'm thankful yeah, yeah. i'm thankful to be still alive to do this podcast and to talk to you and you're still alive and you're growing and you're doing your thing um so yeah man uh, let's see we've been going almost an hour which has been pretty good what, what else is going on with you anything else new anything any metaphysical crazy ufo ghost experiences this year anything that's uh super super synchronistic or you know what i mean oh um you know i if i really spent time trying to recall i'd probably have something but off the top of my head i can't think of anything um i uh I, there's an idea there's a symbol that i've been looking into a lot recently and i'll tell you about this so in the renaissance era there was a novel that became very popular the novel is called hypnerotomachia polyphile and it translates to uh, Polyphile, he's the, he's the character's strife of love in a dream. Uh, and this book, it was written by a, the, most uh, scholars think it was written by a, a Catholic pr a priest or a clergyman. And it's filled with all of these uh, drawings of architecture. 
it's a story of a man. He, it's the, the, the story begins with him falling asleep and the, the story ends with him waking up. It all takes place in a dream. Uh, and there's all of these uh, pieces of architecture and he's communicating with the, these pagan beings, right? These, these pagan gods and nymphs and uh, spirits. And one of the symbols in it is a symbol of an elephant on top of a, an obelisk on top of an elephant. Now, an obelisk is a, a piece of architecture, right? The Washington Monument's an obelisk. And it's sitting on the back of an elephant. Now, the sculptor uh, Bernini, he's, uh, he, you know, hundreds of years later, Bernini was one of the uh, greatest uh, uh, Italian sculptors in history. He was a Baroque sculptor, uh, arguably one of the greatest sculptors in history, period. Now, he created a sculpture of this... Uh, this elephant with an obelisk on the top of its back. And then Salvador Dali, the greatest surrealist painter in human history, one of the greatest painters period in human history, one of uh, easily one of my favorites. He painted several paintings, which included uh, this obelisk on the top of an elephant's back. And one of those paintings was titled The Temptation of St. Anthony. And uh, that was one of many great temptations. Um, now, what I have to say about this this image, right? It is a it is an image of powerful foreign wisdom, right? Right. If you think of Rome, what the elephant meant to the Romans, well, uh, Hannibal rode elephants on his war path from Carthage to Rome, right? When he invaded Rome, he rode war elephants. And uh, the obelisk existed in, in, in Egypt, Alexandria, the, the greatest place of wisdom outside of Rome. Now, this is, keep in mind, I'm, you know, I'm speaking from the psyche of these uh, ancient, these, these Italians and Romans, right? Because the, the, these are the people who created the symbol, right? These are the people who used that image. Now, in their psyche, uh, Egypt was this foreign place of wisdom, uh, and they had this tower with a pyramid at the top, right? The eye on the top of the pyramid has this pyramid reaching the sky. Uh, so this symbol came to be the, the this powerful pagan foreign wisdom. Okay. Well, why did Dali use this image in the temptation of St. Anthony? Right? St. Anthony is being tormented by these beasts. And one of them is this elephant on the top of the olives, right? Oh, wisdom is good, no? Well, what that reminds me of is a quote that Carl Jung said about psychedelics. And that quote is to beware of unearned wisdom. That when you, uh, you're, you're dipping yourself into the river of sticks when you take psychedelics, you're getting this, uh, this encounter with infinity, but if you don't have a tether, right, if you don't have the Achilles heel to keep you tethered to, 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 to your, your body, to yourself, to who you are, uh, you, rather than letting your ego become minimized and realizing your place in your, your small place in this great, great universe, this, your small and infinitely meaningful place, your ego becomes inflated to this great, great everything and when your ego becomes 
inflated to this point of everything. It's like when you give up the, you, you lose your destiny. You lose the limitation, the, the feeling of limitedness that gives you the, the journey of your life. So that's a, just a image I've been playing around with and thinking about. And I, I think that's the meaning of this image used in, uh, in art throughout some of the, just some of the greatest artists of all time use this image. I think it's extremely powerful. Interesting. When I think of the obelisk, I always think of Ball and his phallus. That's what the Washington mm. Monument is a supposed occult. You know, because if you look at Washington on a map, there's a pentagram and the geometry of Washington, D.C. is a certain way for, I don't know, rituals and sacrifice yeah. and power and whatever. So anyway, let's see here. What else? What else? Anything else here? Yeah, neither one of us had notes, by the way, people listening. I was going to go online and do a live with him, but just keep it brief. Anyway, so, you know, I put it out there a couple days ago. I'm like, I need to either sit down and talk again for another hour or two or find a guest. And uh, I had a few people in mind. I thought of you, but my problem with you was I I didn't think you would float it yet. And again, you confirmed that, but... I was hopefully trying to get a before and after, but it's okay. Like I'm, 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 I'm starting to accumulate a cast of characters on this podcast of interesting, uh, fun friends, basically, uh, that I have met online and through Instagram and Facebook and all these other fun things. I've got a whole list of YouTube people. And now if you could interview anybody you wanted to interview, who would you interview? Anybody, well, dead, I mean, dead, dead or alive. Let's start first of all, dead or alive. You know, actually, let's start with just dead. You can you can interview a dead, dead. person and, and an alive person. You can interview both. Who's the dead person you could interview? Who's the dead person I would interview? Or have lunch with, you know? You don't have to be an interview. But yeah, 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 hang out with, hang out with. Well, you know, I'm immediately tempted to say uh, Carl Jung, but... I'm not going to say Carl Jung because he has so much writings that I feel like I can access the logos of Carl Jung whenever I need it. All right. I have his wisdom on tap. Who the person I would speak to have lunch with is Dante Alighieri. Interesting. I was, I had some people ask me about the uh, Dante's Inferno. We were talking about how hell is actually cold. Right. And that makes sense because you mm, got, right. there's no light of God. So there's no heat. Therefore it's cold. It wouldn't be hot in hell. It'd be cold. So, and I've had, right. I've had trips um, that I felt have confirmed the inferno for me as uh, not, not so much as it's a, a literal a reality. Maybe it is, but that Dante, his vision and all that was a valid, like he had a very valid vision of some kind of energetic truth. And I do believe that uh, those realms, I guess, exist somewhere. I don't know what, ex- I, I think for me, when you die, what happens is you leave your body you're presented with the white light and the white light is the reincarnation machine. If you look at uh, reincarnation reports, if you look at uh, near death experiences, it's uh, a lot of times the white light and that's what wipes your memory. For whatever reason, that's what wipes your memory. If you go into the white light, you you get shot back down here and because you weren't awake to recognize that you're not supposed to go through the white light and you have desires and karma pulling you back into the reincarnation machine. Some say the moon is part of the reincarnation machine itself. I don't know about that. But so in terms of this, you know, you want to be awake when you die. So that's the whole point of like trying to be alive or awake before you die. So when you do die, you don't go into the white light. 
you don't get shot back down here into this experience, but you move on to some whatever, whatever is beyond this dimension and this plane of existence that you've chose to come here in the first place. It's crazy that we've shielded ourselves from that information. Um, and then we, we can kind of get glimpses with the float tank and psychedelics and breathing practices and meditation and whatnot. I don't even know what the original question was there. We kind of deviated, but, uh, who, who would you have a dinner with or lunch? Oh with? yeah. 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 The dead or alive person. So you said, uh, Dante dead. Ah, you know, Jesus Christ is a very tempting one, but uh, I feel like I can do that now in a way. So let's take yeah. uh, let's take avatars off the table. Let's just let's just deal with human beings. Um, right. I think that's a good rule for the. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. You know what? I I I'd really have to ask Tesla because I really want to know the secrets of three, six, and nine. Uh, I keep seeing mm. I keep seeing that meme, and I uh, you know like I want to understand what are the secrets of three six and nine because he said if you understand the secret of three six and nine it's like the key to understanding the universe and probably levitation and all these other things he was doing. So dead person, mm. and, and I thought that's a tough one. There's like Beethoven's another one, or Mozart actually actually more than Beethoven. Um, uh, Beethoven seems like a misanthrope, uh, whereas Mozart was more of a, a lighthearted individual. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, dead people. There's so many dead people I'd like to. I don't. Um, yeah. Okay. Now alive. Any anybody alive you'd be interested in talking to? Yeah, I I I almost I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I if I could speak to one person alive, it'd be Kanye West. Want to hang out with Kanye? I was I would say that. Um, but you already said that, and that's an obvious answer for me. And again, I feel like I've already can, like you can tap into his existence via his information out there mm -hmm. with with Young. I feel like with Kanye, I can dip into his energy field. I know for a fact, via my experiences with acid, that uh, mm -hmm. people's collective energy it exists simultaneously whether they're dead or alive. And so I've channeled people that were alive, meaning their energy field, even though they're embodying it and living it through their you know meat body uh i'm somehow able to tap into their collective energy and pull that and channel those people uh on, i've done it on acid a few times so not only are dead people and their information field able to be accessed and that's what channeling is i believe ultimately but a lot of people that are alive as well because all information exists in the fifth dimension time simultaneously because time doesn't exist um, only in this realm of the three three dimensions do it, it, it play out in a linear fashion. So uh, let's see. Uh, you said uh, who'd you say alive? I said I said Kanye. Oh Kanye, that's right. How can I forget? I'm stoned, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're doing this interview straightforward. We're not editing it. I'm going to put it straight on the yeah. thing right after this for people that are listening. There's no edit. So um, 100%. Uh, alive. Uh, let's see. God, I really, I want to know who Q is, uh, but uh, did I already say who I wanted alive? I can't remember. No, no, didn't. you didn't. Okay, I thought, okay, I didn't, I didn't say. Uh, Steve Jobs would be another one that's dead, but uh, mm. Q, uh, since Q is a group of people, uh, I don't know, let's think, let's think. Elon Musk would be an interesting one. I'd like to know if he is, yeah. you know, like, what's the deal with the transhumanistic girlfriend? And are you a dark hat? Are you a black hat? Are you a gray hat? Are you a white hat? Have you flipped? I'm under this impression that Kanye and Elon, uh, for whatever reasons, they had blackmail on them, or they, that's how you get into the club as a celebrity. That Kanye kind of sold mm -hmm. his soul in the beginning. And you get so close to that lifestyle and you see certain things 
like I've seen interviews with bankers and stuff that are like, oh yeah, it starts out slowly. They invite you to one little ritual and then it becomes another ritual. Right, right. And, the, and the next thing you know, they're pulling the children out and throwing them on the slab. So yeah, exactly. I think they reach a point where, uh, I don't know, Kanye had an awakening for whatever reason and he couldn't do it and he moved far, far, far away. I think the same exact thing happened with Stanley Kubrick. If you look at his life, got involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then moved way the fuck Eyes far. wide shut. Oh, yeah. Arguably my favorite movie. Well, here's, you know, it, so here's the thing. I recently, I got bored and I downloaded the Gaia TV one day and I watched, it's like Jay Widener and the other Jay. And they're sitting there talking about all these movies and they're breaking down the movies. And I didn't realize it's about wide, Eyes Wide Shut. That Alice mm-hmm. was basically his handler in the movie. I didn't, you know, because there's a, there's a point in the movie where he comes back and the mask is on the bed and she's laying there and mm-hmm. you don't know, you don't know if she's in on it or that the, the people, the Illuminati people had just, you know, hey, we were watching you and we're going to put it on the bed here. So at that point, yeah. it's, it's a very ambiguous movie. And then so, you know, me watching this movie many times prior to my knowledge about the Illuminati and child sacrifice and the way these things work. Well, I, you know, it's only in the past month where I watched this thing and I already knew about the, the handlers and a lot of these things, but it really just came together for me when he talks about mm-hmm. a- Alice in the movie, uh, which is uh, Nicole Kidman. And if you look into her, right. she's actually involved with the Illuminati as well. If you actually look at her history and her father, but that's another story. And it's interesting that Kubrick chose her knowing that. And then Kubrick chose Tom Cruise, knowing that he's basically in a cult as well. Scientology. Mm-hmm. So you've got these, basically these right, cult right, members right. and these Illuminati people and they're in this movie. And, 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 and so basically what I'm getting at is I, I realized Alice was his handler and she was in on it. And when the mask is there on the bed that she knows. And, and if you start to watch the movie again from that new perspective of Alice is in on it from the beginning, and that this okay. is, and this is Tom Cruise's, or what's his name, the Doctor, whatever. Uh, that's his. This is his initiation into that world. So, uh, the Jay Widener, and I can't remember the Jay's name, but uh, they're on the Gaia. They have a movie series, and they break down all the best movies and the esoteric meanings of the movies and the hidden symbolism. I highly recommend people that are in the movies and these and these kind of things check it out. Very interesting stuff. Also, Room Two Three Seven is another J J Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's real good. So um yeah, that's what I've been on is just finding rabbit holes and going down them. Like another rabbit hole. And this was you know, people don't talk about these things on the boards anymore because you find something out and you move on. But it's like CMEX, like the 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 sim the cement uh, Mexican cement company and the human trafficking there and then the patent for blood and you, you, you find all these rabbit holes and then you get go down the adrenochrome rabbit hole. So it's been a, a year, 2020 has been the year of rabbit holes. I think 2020 has been the year of the con- conspiracy theory, uh, conspiracy theorist being proven true in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. How has it been for you? Are you a conspiracy theory person? Yeah, I'm a conspiracy theory person. I like to pretend like I'm not, but I am. Uh, wh- what I would say and this is the framework I want people to, to keep with them when looking at conspiracy theories, is that the New World Order and all the talk about it is the unavoidable consequence of what's called interlocking directorates. And that's a form of a monopoly where the same people are on the boards of every company, which makes all the companies just effectively one big corporation, right? It's the same people running every corporation and they're only separate on paper, but they all share the same uh, profit and profit, you know, goals and whatnot. And when you have the same people running corporations and lobbying governments 
and influencing uh, like international organizations like the UN and the World Health Organization and the, the EU, uh, you get a, a form of interlocking directorates in which you have a handful of people who are hyper, hyper, hyper powerful that are choosing the direction of the world. And clearly, they're not going to choose a direction for the world that's counter to their own interests and the interests that they owe uh, money and favors to. So I think the New World Order is uh, very real, very, very real. I think that there are uh, blackmail circles that use Moloch as a symbol of, of what they believe, at the very least. Uh, I, I think a lot of conspiracies are very, very true. Yeah. Well, like I said, this has been the year of all of that. I mean, they're putting it in your face with the the mask this year and yeah, Fauci yeah. and the New World Order. They're all the UN. They are all satanic New World Order. It's a it's a very small group of people, like George Carlin says, and you're not in it. And yeah, they. Uh, but again, if you follow the Q stuff, you've seen a lot of these things going on behind the scenes, like this in Saudi Arabia in 2017, 2018, like all these things going on in the news is not reporting the truth of what's happening. And so you have to find the other perspective. So I'm looking forward to 2020, can't even speak. I'm looking forward to 2021. And I don't think we're going to have a dark winter as Biden and the rest of the new world order is predicting. I hope not, at least I cannot, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm crying inside every day watching these other states have to go through these lockdowns for basically no reason. And I know you're there and yeah. I'm praying for all my friends out there who have business, small businesses, who have rent to pay, to have kids to feed, that, you know, have weed to, they, they got to buy their weed. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel for you. And it's, yeah. cold, it's a cold one. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this is our last president ever. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but uh, I just... I see us going into a quantum world. Uh, if you follow some of the five five D stuff, in terms of this new world we're going into, some say we're, there's a two timelines, right? Now, some say the timelines ultimately merge into one. I, I I agree with that, which is the ultimate highest timeline we're on. Some people say they mm-hmm. split, and some people go into three D. They stay in a three D, and some people go into five D. Now, like you said, twelve twenty one, you could maybe knock it off. Yeah, as the official. Entrance into the age of Aquarius. Uh, some people agree with that. Some people disagree. Some people would say it's like a, a long, slow process. It doesn't just click on like a light. But, mm-hmm. but I would have to say, in terms of looking at the way the world's been going, and I have a history degree and those cycles of life, and Terence McKenna's transcendental object at the end of time. I do, I do believe we are approaching some kind of singularity quantum moment for us as a collective and i think people in their personal lives as well i think you're going to see big shifts and that's why i encourage people to continue to look for the silver linings uh don't buy into the stuff that's on tv it may not even be real most of it isn't um so i i think i'm i'm, I'm about i'm about out of talking points here unless you have something you want to talk about i'm still able to talk but in terms of uh, like I, I'm still fried from my car accident, and uh, yeah. Well, actually, that brings me to the last question I want to ask you. Uh, do you find that psychologically, uh, a piece of you did die with that car crash? That's interesting. I had this concept that uh, it's like the Schrodinger's cat exists dead and alive simultaneously, and then it 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 you know approaches some final state upon observation. Wow. 
I truly think via my experiences with car accidents that I've been in already. And then now this one that I, through my karma, for whatever reason, through my able to relax when it's happening. Um, I think sometimes there's a part of me that died in a alternate reality. And then my consciousness for whatever reason, grace or my karma, uh, I got in the accident where I just, didn't get injured. I just didn't die. The car was totaled. And actually it's the payout is going to help me whatever the next thing is. So that's what I mean. Like relaxing and trusting that the universe is on your side. And that just comes from lived experience. Ultimately, you're going to find out with floating in acid and all these other things that you do eventually that the universe is a reflection of your inner state and your energy and everything else you're, you've been through uh, coalescing to create your reality. And it can be navigated and shifted and you can change your energetic state and uh i don't even know where i'm going with this but it's been a what was the what was the original thought there you're, you're probably so I, I was asking i yeah <laughs> I, I was asking if a part of you died with the oh yeah 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 so yeah you realize that there's multiple realities and through whatever reason my consciousness has somehow chosen the path where not only do things on their face that look bad like a car accident happen to me but then there's the grace of the silver lining and oh actually that car was about to die anyway or you know you needed to have this money for something else right now or for whatever reason i don't know it's yet to be discovered but mm -hmm. um i you know I, i'm just glad to be alive glad to have to check in with mortality you know sometimes you do acid and, and and these things and you think oh yes i'm an infinite awareness but eventually your body's going to die and you still have to come to terms with that so yeah it's, it's been that you know recognizing the mortal shell and that i'm not omnipresent and omniscient like i think i am sometimes on acid and you know you can jump off the roof and fly and, and you know many times those thoughts those thoughts do happen you know the infinite nature of your being in these super states but you know ultimately the cat is dead and alive and i keep choosing the observed reality where my body survives with grace in the highest timeline where I'm being accelerated to a point where I have an awakening and that is reflected back in the humanity and the realm of this earth currently that I'm in where we all are collectively you know I'm a microcosm of the macrocosm you are as well and so uh, I, like I said I've seen people not survive the great awakening this year I've had people kill themselves that I know and businesses go under for whatever reason, those people couldn't continue on in this timeline, and, and that's a shame. And um, I don't even know what to say about that because it's just very disturbing that somebody who was on Razor Jet, you know, this psychological situation of confinement or, you know, is there a disease or a virus that's going to kill me? You know, people think that to this day that the, I know people that won't come in and float because they think the world is still ending out there because they're watching CNN as their only source and all they see is the numbers, the numbers, the numbers. So I don't know. I'm, right. thank, I'm thankful to be alive and have this talk with you and con continue the dialogue with the universe, which in this, in this case is you embodied. And that's, that's, the, that's my philosophy I always try to stick to is the localized reality of the one. And this is it right now. It's me, my voice, and your voice. And then there's the awareness of the person listening. And that's all that exists in the universe right now right now recording it and right now being listened to uh, in a, at a future time, somebody is listening to this and uh, maybe that helps in their awakening. And so I'll tell you, I watch a bunch of bullshit on YouTube. I mean, the stupidest shit. And I'm like, how is this helping me? But I watch some of these people and the way it helps me, it's not their content, but it's their bravado. It's their 
unique personality. It's like, you know what? This person has me so entertained by their freedom and their ability to just express themselves that uh, it, I, I'll sit and watch things that don't even make any sense to me on YouTube or Instagram because I'm so inspired by their joie de vivre. So I'm just glad to keep this dialogue going with you and the rest of the collective and exploring the space-time continuum with all these different tools we have and, the, and, and, and in your case, the psyche and the zeitgeist. So I think I've said all I wanted to say. Um, I'll let you, uh, you know, finish it off here. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy new year. I'm sure you'll hear about, hear from me again before the new year, but happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, anything else I might've forgotten, uh, Kwanzaa. Yeah. But, uh, so I'm going to leave it with you, my friend, anything you want to promote, any, any last words? I think you ended it beautifully, my friend. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everything that is, and a blessed new year to everyone. Uh, if you want to see my stuff, just go to Logos Soup on Instagram. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Any projects you're working on in terms of your Logos Soup? Any, is it just going to continue with the memes? Are you going to push forward with a podcast? Anything to expect with that? Uh, right now, I'm doing a little bit of writing. Hopefully, it comes together in a, a, a book that that comes like something that that can be published and everything. Uh, and I've been, uh, I've been working on various concepts for, uh, for an online store. Uh, it'll most likely draw. I mean, it's a shame I missed the holiday season, but I, an online store for uh, artwork will be coming out very soon uh, within the next few weeks. Well, thank you very much. A true Instagram favorite of mine. Glad you're still there making great content and reflecting the collective zeitgeist and consciousness back to me in your unique way. Always appreciate your insight. Hopefully people were entertained and uh, informed from some of this or maybe inspired. Everybody collectively think of a quantum currency that is not controlled by a single central bank and hold that in your mind. Pray for the highest That's outcome. Right. Uh, pray for grace uh, and... Uh, I guess we'll see you guys next time. Thanks again. Merry Christmas. Talk to you soon. Thank you, my friend. All right. Let me stop recording. Word.